at some point he married uh, Marina uh, uh, Mer uh, Molejo, um, who is a member of a prominent uh, Converso family um, in in Sevilla. Um, so the the Conversos were um, sort of like families that were uh, Muslim or Jewish. I they were big um, talkers. <laughs> Yes, but they would uh, they they converted to Christianity, and that's why they referred to as conversos. Yeah, not because they converse, Stephen. You know, we like to have a conversation. (laughs) Welcome back to the Trilateral Troika. This is Steve, along with the other Steve, Zertek, and Ryan. Well, it sounds like I'm in an echo chamber. I'm so con- like congested, but not. I hate it. Oh, <laughs> uh, it's terrible. Yeah. So the Zyrtec story. So, <laughs> so I take I take Zyrtec, and uh, I still take it. Um, <clears throat> and uh, I I got Wii Fit, or not Wii Fit, the Switch one. I forget what it's called, but anyway, the one for Nintendo Switch. That has like a ring, uh, ring, ring fit. fit. Yeah, yeah. It has the ring. Okay. I was, I was doing that, and I had stopped taking Zyrtec. Uh, I just wanted to like take a medication holiday kind of thing from it. I've been taking it for a really long time, so I was like, oh, mm-hmm. I'm gonna take a break from this. Right. And I'm in the middle of like the first ten minutes of doing this stupid ring fit thing, which was a decent workout. Mm-hmm. And I get uncontrollably itchy, like. <laughs> I mean, every single like my fucking so you're eyelids. you're working out clearly. My eyelids were itching, but it was so bad that it was like a it was like a humming like vibration of itching that just went through my body, and I was like, "That's the stroke." Oh, I was no. like, "I've been waiting for years." Here it is to, for my stroke, and there it is. Right, I'm gonna have it from fucking Ring Fit. I'm gonna sue Nintendo. <laughs> it's gonna be great. We're gonna be we're gonna be going, boys. And then I stopped, and I go in my room, and I sit down. And like five minutes later, it's all gone. So I look it up, and the first fucking article, shit you not, that comes up is this thing called, and Ryan, you might know what this is, it's called Pruitus, I think? Pruitus. Yeah. yeah, Sudden, like, uncontrolled, like, itching is a result of it. You know what it is? Zyrtec, apparently, is habit-forming. And not habit forming, but like, you develop a tolerance. What? And if you go off it cold turkey, you get pregnant. No, like a fucking alcohol. Dude, well, I literally felt like I was going to die. Like it was itching so bad. And then it if slowly, you, slowly went away. Because if you like stop taking Zyrtec, it'll, you, you'll get like itchy and stuff for a bit. Yeah. Really? I didn't this, know that that was as yeah. good to know. This, cause this I, was like, this was uncontrollable, full body like itching. It was that, worse. That's wild. I had no idea. It it's works, like and I gotta head. keep taking it because it fucking works great. But like, just know. like Tyrone Biggins over there, just like <laughs> scratching. Sign the treaty, baby. Smells <laughs> <laughs> uh, crack. Speaking of, here. Sp- speaking of crackheads, <laughs> uh, yeah. Speaking of crack habits, we're talking about um, uh, Freeway Rick Ross. Are we talking about Rick Ross Freeway, or are we talking about Rick Ross? I haven't, I haven't watched Snowfall yet, so we can't talk about uh, that. I've I've heard it's good though. I'm I'm gonna watch I, it. I'm the final season, so I'll watch through it. Yeah. The the original Rick Ross. What was his actual? Was it Freeway Rick Ross? I don't yeah. feel like that's right. Are you R- sure? Fr- yeah, Ricky it's, Ross. It's, freeway. Ricky yeah, it's Ross. Freeway Ricky Ross. Yeah. 
Uh, the Rick Ross, the rapper, he was a uh, prison guard in um, South Florida. Yeah, I always thought that was hilarious that this dude's like rapping about being like this big time thug, and he's like, "Bro, you're a fucking cop." <laughs> you're a I, cop. I think he Stop. was. <laughs> I think he was posted in the the whatever prison it is that's in Miami. He was at the South Florida Reception Center, and so it was like kind of like that first stop, like the repository for you go to get classified and get shipped off. It is still a prison, like it's not you know downgrading it or anything, but it's 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 a reception center, so you get a whole lot more people there. They're just kind of like transient instead of like getting yeah. there for a while. There's a there's one in Orlando. You can see the Central Florida Reception Center off the B line. I think it is. Uh, if, it's, you, if you're on the B line, I think you can see it. Uh, I never go out. It's it's always kind of weird. Um, it, it's always kind of weird in like Florida because you know Florida is so like spread out and suburban as opposed to like major cities, where like if you go to like even like Indianapolis or like Pittsburgh, like you'll you'll be going through like the downtown area and they're just like, well, yeah, that's the prison. And it's like there there's a prison in the middle of the city. And it's like it's yeah, like, what? not in my backyard. <laughs> not in my backyard. That's how Orlando's jail is. The jail in Orlando is like just kind of like right there in the middle of like a commercial area or an industrial area. Not in my backyard. <laughs> yeah, but like that whole area of Orlando is just kind of like it's industrial. Like God's, area. It's like God's blind spot. <laughs> not, not, to be, not, to be, not to be too mean, but that that whole area of Orlando is like until like gentrification catches up with it. It is just like. It just like anything goes like like the uh like the elites of Orlando have like written off that like section of like downtown. Oh if it's anywhere God. near like Pine Hills Bro, it's just I'm like using that. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like that is that is the way in the shadow touches, like you don't, you don't go there. <laughs> the mire of dead men. Oh my god, it's hilarious. Speaking of the mire of dead men, today we'll be talking about Alvar Nunez Cabeza de Vega. Uh, he's, he's definitely in Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> I heard Cabeza, this dude must have a gigantic fucking dome. <laughs> See. Well, uh, Cabeza de Vega means. Un testa um, grande. It means like the head of the cow. And it's because um, it was a name that was given to his family because an ancestor of his. Had um, had aided the the Reconquista in the 13th century by placing a severed cow's head on a pile of rocks to show um, Christian um, soldiers like a secret path uh, path to go through the mountains to attack uh, um, the Moorish invaders. Well, that was nice of them. So for for them doing like for them doing that, um, they got that name as like a family name. Ah, okay. Um, but but Alvar uh, Nunez Cabeza de Vega was born in 1490 um, in the Castilian town of uh, Jerez de la Frontera. I need you to say the word Castilian right. Stay the word Castilian right. <laughs> Castilian. Right. Castilian. Castilian. <laughs> Castilian. Castilani. Um, uh, both. <laughs> Uh, both of his parents. Barcelona. Um, for the for the next hour, Steve, you're now you, you got to do the Castilian accent for everything. I have to like lisp the whole time. Uh, that could that could um, come off wrong. Uh, both of his uh, mother and father were what were referred to as um, hidalgos. Uh, well, his father would be a hidalgo. His mother would be a hidalga. Um, and hidalga is kind of like, or hidalgo is kind of like a, a general term that that's kind of like sir. Um, in that it, it represents that usually that they are a person of like of, of noble heritage, 
Um, but in practice, usually most people who referred to as um, Hidalgo, um, they were just exempted from paying taxes and they just had like nice. small holdings of property. So what, could anybody just be like, no, I am now a Hidalgo? Like, can anybody do that if there's no like like prerequisites? Yo, so Hidalgo. Well, well, no, it, has, it has to be granted to you by the uh, by the nobility, like by the uh, the king or queen. So or, if you or rub some elbows, other ward. if you rub elbows with the nobility, they can be like, yeah, you're a, you're a Hidalgo now. Don't don't pay any taxes. And you get well. Well, it's just sort of like like yeah, you work for me, and I can't really pay you, but you don't have to pay me. Okay. It, it's sort of like the exchange. Okay, you just. Um, uh, you just totally fucked my brain up there with that. I don't know what the hell you just said. Yeah, actually, you know what? I feel like that's slavery with extra steps. But ride, <laughs> r- run, run that by me one more time. Well, well essentially, every, everybody has to pay taxes to like the noble that runs their area. Okay. But since you're under the noble that runs the area, like you work for them. And, and essentially what they tell you is like, well, I can't pay you for your service. But what I can do is like not make you pay me. Oh, um, okay. So instead of forcing okay. you to like pay me taxes, um, you're exempt from that because okay. of your your service to me. So you just have, um, as long as you go to work, you're exempt from taxes. Yeah, which which is kind of like a pre modern thing. Um, like one thing that doesn't really get brought up is that in um, sort of like pre modern cultures, and, and it's something that also comes up in like China in the 20th century, is that there's this thing called like corvy labor. Um, and, and essentially, what's that mean? I am one hundred percent against making corgis labor. Those are the cute <laughs> dogs. I will not support this. They are not working dogs. Well, they kind of are working dogs, but they're not working dogs. They they're exist the to chosen. Be cute. <laughs> they're the chosen vehicle of the fae. <laughs> exactly, corgi labor. I am against it. I just want to put that. What? <laughs> but uh, corgi labor means that um, when you um, instead of paying taxes, you will do labor. Um, as sort of like a payment, like you're paying in kind. Um, so they're either like, you can give us money to pay your taxes, or you can do like manual labor for us for a period, and that'll pay what you owe us. Oh my god. I feel like this this is very, very similar to like when they say like, when when, when you get like those really stupid people who are like, I'm Irish, my people were slaves. But you it's mean, like you, you mean really the slaves. myth. Like, you mean you the myth at- that there were never actually Irish slaves in the United States, and the chattel slavery is completely fucking different. <laughs> well, you yeah. know, you know, Steve. There used to be signs that say uh, "Irish need not apply." Yeah, and you know that's the same. Yeah, that's the exact, it's the exact same. same. It's the exact same <laughs> yeah. lived experience as people who couldn't walk down the street. I'm like, uh, last I checked, all your granddad had to do was just, you know work and pay taxes like he did he wasn't like physically owned by somebody bro like yeah. relax don't yeah, don't up. make me play the opening of the departed okay yeah but that seems very very similar <laughs> like you live here you work here you basically pay to work here or pay to live here um right. like pay to live here pay to work here and all this other good stuff it's what it sounds like like the early version of that um well, well first of all uh, i don't pay shit wait <laughs> what um i'm a hidalgo you're more hola Casa Briante. I want you to um, tell uh, tell Wells Fargo that when they come out about your mortgage. We had this <laughs> guy that used to work for us that worked at Bright House at one point. My buddy Jason, who's Puerto Rican, used to joke around with him all the time when he would answer the phone because he would always laugh when he was like talking to the client. He'd be like, mm-hmm. "Hola, yo soy Geraldo, Casa Briante," which means Bright House. <laughs> so every time I hear Bright House, I'm like, "Casa Briante." <laughs> uh, anyway. 
They're not um, Spanish, while, so I don't know why I'm talking about it. <laughs> while, his, uh, while his parents were minor nobles, uh, the main influence on him was his uh, his paternal um, grandfather, uh, Pedro de Vera. Was he a um, Hidalgo? Um, he was. Mm-hmm. Um, he was a um, he, he was considered to be a very good fighter, um, and he led raids against uh, the Moors in North Africa. And in 1483, oh, I was going to say 1483. What year is this? Oh, this is so, this is way. We're talking conquistadors, bro. Yeah, yeah. So this is this is sort of like before the Reconquista. Got it. Um. So so this is the era that we're talking about in 1483, somewhere around there. Uh, more uh, more 2012, like end of 2012. Okay. <laughs> in in 1483, Pedro de Vera, um, he completed the conquest of the Grand uh, Canaria. Which is one of like the biggest islands in the Canary Islands. I was gonna say, is that the Canary Islands? Huh. Yeah, it's the biggest of the Canary Islands. Um, he was appointed military governor of the island, and he used his position um, to capture um, many um, uh, the natives of the islands who were called um, uh, uh, Guanches, and um, and he would sell them as slaves to Spain. This is this is um, our guy forehead. This is his granddad. You said. Yeah. This is his. Uh, this is his granddad. Okay. Um, so when the uh, the natives on the island of uh, Gomera uh, revolted against Spanish rule, Guantanamera. Um, he, Sorry. He he put down the rebellion, um, and he killed all males over the age of fifteen and sold the women and children into slavery. Oof. Um, for this, he was heavily fined uh, by uh, the Spanish kingdom for his actions, and he was uh, recalled to Castile. Um, in 1490, Same I guess right. technically he was uh, fined by uh, uh, Castille um, <laughs> in, 14, in 1490, because um, um, Spain doesn't exist at this point because you know they haven't done the uh, the royal marriage. Um, so uh, Cabeza de Vaca, wait, what? Um, Spain doesn't exist at this point. Yeah, because they haven't they haven't made the uh, the alliance um, of the of the kingdoms like they haven't reunified um, what essentially is Spain. At this point, aside from so, like so we're st- go ahead. So we're so we're talking about that that time period. So this is like still like while well, the Reconquista is still going on. Aside from like the Spanish Civil War, I have a gigantic like black hole in my knowledge of like Spanish history. Yeah, yeah. It's it's kind of interesting too because I um, uh, I'm gonna go ahead and say that I don't know fucking anything about Spanish history. Like I, I would say that um that those Americans where um a lot of our ideas of what um like the Spanish Empire was like is tinged by what's called like the black legend. Um which is this idea that because we come from sort of like an English speaking culture, we're influenced by sort of like the propaganda of England during that period, which was very anti Spain. Mm-hmm. Um so our idea of Spain during this time period is very anti Catholic, it's very anti Spanish. Um, and that's why they call it the Black Legend, because it's sort of this idea, you know, like people think of the Inquisition, or they think of the Inquisition as sort of like the Gestapo mm-hmm. um, or the KGB. Yeah. Where in reality, like the Inquisition, like after the Reconquista, like, yes, they were very brutal, um, but um, they weren't really that involved in like people's everyday lives. And it wasn't like as bad as the propaganda makes it to be. That isn't to excuse their excesses, but it's just to say that. This is something that happened where um, the English and other Protestant nations like the Dutch grabbed upon and used it to sort of say, like, well, you know, the Spanish, they're like they're like brutal animals. Like, look what they're doing. That's interesting, because I always thought the Black Legend was Michael Jordan. 
<laughs> he wasn't the legend, baby. He was the truth. Well, the controversy there is some people say that, you know, LeBron is actually Get the black legend. Get the fuck is, out of here with that nonsense, bro. No, fuck you. Wait, I'm are you talking about... Right now. Are you trying Michael to say Jordan that... Michael Jordan is better than LeBron. Are you trying to say that LeBron, uh, that Michael Jordan has a competitor named LeBron John? <laughs> <laughs> Every time oh, I hear no, it, that's all I can I'm think saying of. some people have said that, Steve. I'm not taking that stance. No, you're fucking goddamn right you're not, because it's a bad stance. That's a Jesus. ridiculous stance. Run. Michael Jordan played, what was it, game five in the 1992 playoffs with the flu? Like, literally testing positive for the flu and being like, fucking, I'm going to play this LeBron shit LeBron is definitely top ten, and arguably top five, I would Easily. say. He is Easily. not number one. Number one is is MJ, and and that's not even close. And then, well, I guess maybe it's close because number two's got to be uh, Kareem. Uh, and I'd argue yeah, that yeah. Kareem, Kareem <laughs> is the what? Kareem is the the king. He's he's one hundred percent the, the goat, captain, man. He's like yeah. he's the goat. He's he like the a, war, he's like the warrior king. How many fucking records he has? He's ridiculous. I mean, yeah, you could argue that he played against. Like less talented people or something like that. I don't know. You know, well, he's, he was still in the same league as like Larry Bird, Magic Johnson. Yeah, like he still played during the same time period. Yeah. He played, and Larry Bird is easily, uh, easily up top there, five, top yeah. three. I would say all time. I would, I would say Magic and and Larry are two of like the greatest basketball players that ever Larry, lived. I, th- I still think Larry Bird just is much better, more complete than Magic. Even though I think Magic is in the top. Top five easy. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's probably it's pro- my top five is probably Jordan, Kareem, Bird slash Magic. Bro, Rob- you can't have two. <laughs> Robert Ory, uh, John Stockton. I'm just joking. I'm just naming basketball players. Now. <laughs> like, what are you John Stockton was top five until it became a MAGA chud who's anti-vax. You know, oh, no. He thinks that he, you know, he stole so many basketballs that he thinks people are trying to steal his soul now. You know, Jesus Christ, bro. Also, uh, don't don't also discount you know the the players that were not around in the early nineties. We know one of the greatest like players ever is Steve Neon Bordeaux, Nash. right? What <laughs> Neon Bordeaux? He looks a lot like Shaq. He's in the movie Blue Chips. <laughs> no. Do you know what I'm talking about? No, I don't. Oh, god damn. All right. Anyway, Shaq played a basketball player named Neon Bordeaux in, in, in Blue Chips. Sorry. Um, great movie. But, uh, great movie, by the way. F- fucking phenomenal movie. I know the movie but, talk, uh, I've never seen it. But Cabeza de Vaca's um, father and grandfather both died Cabeza around 1506. Cabeza de Vaca. It's my, it's, my, it's my man forehead right there. Vaca, I think, right? Um, it's, and, you're talking about a cow, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's vodka. Um, they they both died around 1506, and his mother died around 1509. Um, and, and this left a, a modest estate for their seven children. Hmm. Um, his younger siblings went on to live with their aunt, um, but he um, had already entered into the service of one Juan Alfonso Perez de Guzman, the third duke of Medina, Sidonia, in 1503. Ah, Sidonia. Richard Hoagland throwback. His, <laughs> I, just, I just want to point out that if his mom in 1509 had seven children that lived, that means that she probably had a total of like 26 children. <laughs> like, dead. Well, they were Catholic, during. right? 
Yeah, yeah, Catholics well, yeah. were well-known baby havers. <laughs> <laughs> I just think it's hilarious. She loved like trying to do the math. I'm like, all right, so seven lived, which means she probably had a total of like sixteen. <laughs> the uh, the Medina Sidonia uh, family was one of the most powerful families in in Castile at that time, um, and was also a dominant force in in Sevilla, um, which was the commercial center of like, Spain. Was of of like Spain sort of like overseas empire um, that when things are shipped from you know the New World to Spain um, they would usually go through uh, Sevilla. Um, Cabeza de Vaca he would serve as a page and then a chamberlain for the Duke. In fifteen eleven he traveled to Italy to fight against the French in what was referred to as the Italian Wars. I'm sorry, what? Um, essentially at that time, uh, uh, Italy is a lot like Germany. Whereas, like, people talk about, like, the Holy Roman Empire and how it's all these, like, little, like, principalities and states that are just ruled by, like, a guy. Right. Where, like, his his entire kingdom is essentially, like, <laughs> the city limits of, like, a, a small city. Yeah, just a guy. Just ruled by a guy. <laughs> it's, it's ruled um, by Bob down the street. He lives in the White House. Or no, just, like, the way he said it was so dismissive. You know, there's these principalities just ruled by a guy. <laughs> well, well, a lot of times, like, too, like, what they refer to as, like, a petty king is, like, a guy who, like... That's so much like, better. Oh. That's something to aspire to, like... Where he's like, I'm the king of this area. Just imagine. Just, like... Just imagine if you were, like, the king of Oviedo or something like that. <laughs> like, ridiculous... I wouldn't be proud of that. I would be that's like, a, I'm a king Oviedo, of Winter Florida, Park. not 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 Oviedo, Spain. Yeah, not, not Oviedo, not Spain. No, 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 Oviedo, Florida. Yeah, yeah. No, I wouldn't brag about that. Oh um, my god! In in February 1512, he took part in the Battle of Ravenna, um, where the Spanish were badly defeated, um, and he was wounded in the battle. I think there's a war um, game based around that. He would later uh, serve as the royal standard bearer in um, uh, Gaeta. Uh, near Naples. Um, in 1513, he would return to Spain, uh, where he was still in the service of the uh, Medina Sidonia. Um, the Medulla Oblongata. The Medellin yeah. Cartel. <laughs> <laughs> at some point, he married uh, Marina uh, uh, Mer, uh, Molejo, um, who was a member of a prominent uh, Converso family um, in, in Sevilla. Um, so the the conversos were um, sort of like families that were um, Muslim or Jewish. Are there were big um, talkers? <laughs> yes, but they would uh, they they converted to Christianity, and that's why they referred to as conversos. Yeah, not because they converse, Stephen. You know, we like to have a conversation. <laughs> I've I've given you a list of topics. Is what we will talk about. Um, you thought I had uh, Dalgo. So in um, in in 1520 there was what was called the revolt of the Comuneros, um, which broke out because uh, the new king of Spain was Charles V, um, and um, people were not very happy about this because uh, the Comuneros were were Castilian um, citizens who were against the rule of of Charles I, um, in is what is referred to as in Spain. Um, and Charles V of the Holy Roman Empire from 1520 to 1521. Um, I just because fucking stuck in my head now. <laughs> what is but, it, four, 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 40 yards long and four lanes wide? Yeah. 52 name, tons of American pride? Can name the truck with the four-wheel drive. <laughs> Smells like a steak and seats 35. But they were opposed to his rule because he had been, um, he had lived most of his life 
um, in in what is um, Belgium today. He was. Um, well, that's enough for was, me right there. You can just stop. I don't even need to hear the rest of the argument. <laughs> and and he favored uh, Flemish culture over um, Spanish culture, and I, because of that, I know he cap. Was con- I got in trouble in history class for referring to the Belgium as the Belgish. <laughs> <laughs> I just would not stop doing it. First of all, did you just say no cap? Yeah, I did. <laughs> Um, no cap, but, they're not the Belgish. <laughs> uh, but Cabeza uh, de Vega uh, fought alongside uh, fought alongside his duke on behalf of the crown, um, which put down the the Comuneros. Cabeza de Vaca, Comuneros, <laughs> Comuneros. Um, uh, Cabeza de Vaca was put was put in charge of defending uh, one of the city gates of the city. Um, and in December, he fought to liberate the city of um, uh, Tordesillas. Um, and on um, April 23rd, 1521, he participated in the defeat of the Comuneros at the Battle of uh, Villar. Um, later in 1521, uh, when the French king Francis I um, invaded Navarre, um, Cabeza de Vaca fought against them in the Battle of uh, Ponte uh, de la Reina. Um, on December 11th, 1526, Charles V uh, commissioned um, Pompeo de uh, Nervaez uh, to explore and conquer and settle a portion of North America called La Florida. La New Jersey. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> La Nuevo Jersey. Uh, can you imagine if New Jersey was like the first place to get colonized as opposed to Florida by like the Spanish? That would be fucking hysterical. That'd in be amazing. Because <laughs> that means like everybody in Florida would more than likely have like the Jersey accent and the Jersey attitude. Well, and everybody in the country would be like, bro. Like Jersey, like what are you uh, talking? What there. are you talking about? <laughs> Everyone in Florida does. Have you heard the? the okay. So many New Yorkers and New Jerseyans <laughs> okay. around here. It's yeah. ridiculous. Have you like that Daytona police guy, uh, the captain Michael Chitwood? He like he's got the most fucking Delco Valley <laughs> fucking was- accent I've ever heard. We're gonna catch these guys. We're gonna go over to Daytona. And we're gonna it was. It was like when I went. I went to the over card me, shop. You come get me. You know, it's like holy shit. That guy's not from Florida. <laughs> I went to the card shop Florida. a couple months ago, and the guy who owns the card shop is from like the same area of Pittsburgh. My family's from. Oh my god! When I moved to Florida, the guy that gave me my driver's license had moved here in August 1982, which is the month and year I was born. From New Jersey, I am. I am. I am all of a sudden become uh, uh, all about stopping immigration. But I mean, like immigration state to state, close Florida's borders. We need to to stop the Chud pipeline to Florida. (laughs) Yeah, we We need to stop the Texas to Florida pipeline. Oh my god, it's horrendous. Um, But the territory of what the Spanish refer to as as uh, La Florida, um, it. It stretched from the Gulf of Mexico to what is modern day Florida. From oh, Miami shit. till about Hollywood. <laughs> <laughs> and um, in fifteen twenty, um, he was sent to Mexico by the governor uh, governor of Cuba, uh, Diego uh, Velasquez uh, de uh, Suar. Um, and the objective uh, of his or um, this is um, the um, the guy that I mentioned um, who's heading the um, 
heading the sort of expedition, uh, Pompeo uh, de Narvaez, um, he was sent um, by the governor of Cuba, uh, Diego Velasquez uh, de, de Suar, um, to Wait, stop... Wait, de Suar? Uh, her... Was he a Sklar brother? What? Suar. Oh, Suar, okay. <laughs> Um, and his his objective was to stop um, Hernan Cortez um, because um, one of the things they don't teach you in history class is that um, here we go. One this of the main come here. one of the main reasons like Hernan Cortez had like gone on his like adventure to conquer Mexico mm-hmm. was because he was carrying on an affair with the governor's daughter and the governor was not happy about it and his his like his only option was I can either stay in Cuba and get like go to jail or get hung. Or I can go, like, conquer, like, Mexico and, like, essentially, like, create a kingdom so that the uh, the king of Spain will, like, like give me a pardon. What? Um, so, so this guy, uh, Pompeo uh, de Narvaez, he was sent to stop Hernan Cortez. Um, and even though he had 900 men with him, which was a three-to-one ratio to uh, Cortez's uh, 300 men, um, Narvaez was outmaneuvered. <laughs> And in the in the subsequent battle, Bro. the battle of uh, Sempuala, um, he would lose an eye and be taken prisoner. Um, so after spending several years in captivity in Mexico, um, he returned to Spain, uh, where King Carlos V um, named him an adelantado, um, which means like essentially it's a title that means that you work for the king. Mm-hmm. It, it means like the elevated. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was given the mission of exploring and colonizing. Uh, La Florida. Yo, this um, guy. <laughs> okay, all right. So he he fucked up. Like he was sent on this mission. The king of spades. Like I understand. You know, you you did this. It, it didn't go like we wanted it to. Um, but I'm gonna reward you, and you're you're gonna go on this mission. Right. Um. And Cabaza de Vega, uh, was named as the treasurer. Um. By the king. Um, and this put him in second command of the um, of the the sort of like mission that was sent. Um, like he was the treasurer him, of the mission. Yeah, and it made him uh, responsible to look after the um, the emperor's interests in the expedition. Like while he's officially the treasurer, the money is the emperor's money, and he's also sort of like the emperor's sort of like you need to, you know, make sure that the mission stays on mission. Ah, uh, okay, so this is the guy that the Emperor sa- sends, and he says, listen, make sure that they're actually doing this, make sure they're not fucking yeah. off, don't give them any of my money unless they're actually doing the work kind well, of stuff. Well, I, I, I think there's also a fear that, like, some of these guys are just gonna, like, form their own kingdom and just say, like, well, I'm the king of Florida now, like, right. fuck off. Right. Um, so... Yeah, but then you bring the not- Spanish Armada down on you. I don't <laughs> think that that's exactly a smart move to be like, hey, Spain, fuck you, this is my land now. Well, it's, it's <laughs> gonna be gone in a couple of years from there, so... Um, about that. Um, <laughs> but we're not really sure why he was chosen for this position. Um, but the guess is that because, uh, he had had like a good military record and he had been pretty loyal that, that he was sort of rewarded for that. Um, he also had a relative, uh, Luis, uh, Cabeza de Vega, um, who served on the, um, the council of the Indies, which was sort of like the, the council that sort of controlled like colonial affairs, um, within the Caribbean for the Spanish. Um, he was promised an annual salary of 130,000 uh, maravedis, um, uh, payable b- upon his return, 
Uh, uh, the Maravedes is like a copper coin that was issued by the Spanish Empire. Mm-hmm. Um, don't ask me what that means in today's money, but I, I assume it means like a good amount. God damn it, you knew exactly where the next thing out of my mouth was about to be. <laughs> well, in Dungeons and Dragons, a copper coin is about 100, <laughs> 100 copper coins to a gold coin. So um, you got 130,000 so- <laughs> pennies? So he got so he, like, so he, that, so he has like 1,300 gold coins. <laughs> he got 130 bucks? <laughs> Sorry, $1,000? Um, so their their fleet of five vessels set sail from Spain. How on many bitcoins is it? <laughs> <laughs> well, how Steve, many, that uh, answer is going to change throughout this episode. How many? How many? Uh, let's start vodka coin. How cow, many pogs can I get? How many pogs? How many pogs and slammers? How many? <laughs> how much was it? How many maravedas was it? Uh, one hundred thirty thousand. Six pogs. Fuck. <laughs> I'm real good at this. I can do the conversion in my but head. But they're good pogs. I they're they're alpha pogs. I do it in my All right, head. listen. It's a deal if you give me the tube. The storage. You can't tube that it get. You can't get one alpha pog for ten thousand or a hundred thousand Marvetas. You need at least. A, you need at least a million Marv Levies to get. Hear, hear me out, Steve. Listen, He's got a guy. Listen, he has a guy. Listen, you need at least thirty-five Merle Haggards. Thirty-five Shit. million to get even one Alf Pog. All right, what if I got six Merv Griffins? <laughs> Every time someone says Merv Griffin, I think of that fucking episode of Seinfeld where Kramer the, like the got Griffin the entire show. Merv Griffin show set, and they just played along with it. And they were like, "Who well, are was... you talking to?" And he just kept talking to the crowd that wasn't there. So good. That, that's why I want this podcast to eventually become it's us sitting in like the old the, Merv like Griffin the Mc- show set, or, or the like the McLaughlin group, or yeah. uh, the Decabit set. Which one of us is gonna? Well, I guess that would make like either Ryan or myself McLaughlin because we keep interrupting you. Yeah, <laughs> we're, we're, we're not gonna be like the the McLaughlin group where like uh, apparently the chairs they had were like super expensive. But they had knockoffs of them, so they were like actually affordable. But like the apparently the chair they were based on is like thirteen hundred dollars a chair or whatever. It's like an Aaron Miller type chair. Okay. Jesus. To me, there's no such thing as a chair like that unless it has massage and heating and you know. So this is a perfect time to bring up our Patreon. It is the trilateral truck. <laughs> we do not have a Patreon. <laughs> uh, no, um, we do not. We do not. <laughs> so the the fleet of vessels sent by uh, Spain um, set sail on June 17th, 1527, carrying with them 600 soldiers and colonists, um, and also including a few married women and African slaves. Um, they would stop in Hispaniola for su- uh, supplies. Um, and, and during that time... Trust me, that's um, the only reason to stop there. I'm, it's, it, there's nothing to do. All right, so real hey. question. Can I ask a stupid question? No, there are no what stupid it- questions. <laughs> Fair. Uh, what is Hispaniola? It is the Dominican Republic in Haiti. So that that island it used to be referred to as Hispaniola, um, but it eventually got divided between France and Spain. The the Spanish side, obviously, the Dominican Republic. The French side uh, is Haiti. Okay. Um, so oh, okay. So, so Hispaniola. The okay, the island itself, like in in, in totality, is referred yeah, to Hispaniola before those countries were actually formed. Yeah, because at, at this time, the French don't have a stake in the island, because um, this is still very early on. Um, gotcha. But during their time stopping in Hispaniola, um, about 150 of the men 
um, decide that they're going to stay behind and not continue with the expedition. Ah, guys, listen, it's actually really kind of nice here. All I'm going to say is we got great weather, we got great beaches, we got strong drinks. I think I'm good, man. I'm I'm going to stay here. Y'all be good. Be easy. We got uh, big poppy. Thoughts and prayers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I wish you luck. Um, they would spend about five days on the island um, getting provisions, and they would also construct a sixth ship uh, for their expedition. Um, they were uh, also anxious to rec- uh, acquire horses, um, but there was a shortage of them on the island, um, so they uh, they continued to Cuba, where they hoped to record, uh, recruit more men and horses for their expedition. Did you say that they constructed a sixth or a sick? Because I thought you said a sick. Sixth. Fucking okay, ship was sick, sick bro. I thought like sick. they threw like an extra sail on it. It's like fifteen extra horsepower. Threw Dude, a couple it stickers was on the back. It was fucking <laughs> sick. It was painted purple, which is the color of royalty. But they just did that shit anyway. Fuck them. Spoiler on the back. They did. They just it said Hidalgo on For the side, speed. even though they didn't have special tax status. <laughs> Um, uh, Narvaez would anchor the fleet in Santiago de Cuba, um, and he ordered uh, Cabeza de Vaca Vaca. to take two ships. We're already going to, like, catch flack for the amount of mispronunciations. (laughs) Um, They would take uh, two ships and proceed further up the coast to pick up additional provisions um, in Trinidad. Trinidad. Okay. Um, in October, uh, while uh, Cabeza de, de, de Vaca was ashore re- uh, negotiating for supplies, a hurricane hit the coast, uh, resulting in the destruction of both ships and the loss of 60 men and 20 horses. Good lord. Um, Narvaez would arrive in early November Those to pick up the horses. survivors. Um, uh, <laughs> being afraid that they would encounter another storm, uh, Narvaez uh, decided that they would uh, that they would spend the winter in Cuba. Cuba. So they have they have four I, I remaining think the ships. Worst places to hang out for the winter. That's true. Um, and they are anchored and they they anchored in the bay of uh, Jagua um, under the command of uh, Cabeza de Vaca. Uh, while uh, Cabeza de Vaca was watching over the ships and crew, uh, Narvaez remained on shore to find replacements for the lost ships and to hire more men. Um, in February of fourteen of uh, fifteen twenty eight. Uh, he returned to the Bay of Jagua with one additional ship and another one waiting for them in Havana. Um, they resumed the expedition to La Florida, um, and they first stopped in Havana to pick up the final ship and more supplies. Um, but before they reached Havana, they were hit by another storm and blown off course into the Gulf of Mexico. Bro, how do you not see that it's like, this is probably your warning to, you've had enough signs. This oh, is not uh, going to go well. Just, just, just wait. Jesus um, Christ. So, <laughs> so, short of supplies and fresh water, um, they decide to push onward to Florida rather than try to get back to Cuba. Um, in April, they sight land and they anchor and go ashore. Um, we don't really know the location of their landing. Okay, I was gonna um, say where, where, where was this? <laughs> but it's but it's likely to have been within the vicinity of Tampa Bay. Oh, um, okay. So during a reconnaissance of the area, they came upon a, f- a few small villages of Native Americans belonging to what is referred to as the Safety Harbor culture. Um, we mainly refer to them as this because these people don't really survive their encounter with the Spanish, not because the Spanish kill them. But because of their um, sort of being exposed to European diseases just, like, wipes out these cultures. 
which is for, for those who aren't aware, that's what happens to most of the native cultures in Florida because they're so close to the Caribbean. Um, and, and also too, when the Spanish like come ashore, so you're saying um, the Spanish killed them basically is what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. To, Whether like, intentionally well, the, well, the or unintentionally. Yeah. Un- unintentionally the Spanish like kill them all. Cause it's one of those things where like, uh, for instance, like the university of central Florida has one of those statements where they talk about how they're on native land, mm-hmm. but like all the tribes they say were like dead before like an Anglo ever set foot on the state of Florida. <laughs> Like, 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 it's like, it's like we're on the land of this, this, and this people, and it's like, well, well, I appreciate the sentiment, like, like these people were like wiped out with disease well before anyone who spoke like these? a Germanic language stepped foot in the, in in like the area of Florida. These people were wiped out while they were putting Christ on the cross. Okay, <laughs> I need you to slow down with your. We're on a native site. Relax, bro. <laughs> Um, so the, when, when they land, they, they sort of try to communicate with the natives through like a type of sign language. Um, and through this, the Spanish were informed that there was a community, um, uh, or, or area, uh, by them called the Appalachie, um, uh, north of where they landed, which the, um, the natives sort of assured them as, as they could sort of recollect from the sign language they're using, um, that they were uh, rich in food and gold. That's a fucking lie. Um, <laughs> as, somebody, as somebody who's been through Apalachicola, they are not rich with shit. <laughs> um, and and uh, and Cabeza de Vaca, uh, he would later note in his recollections of this time that Narvaez, um, he expressed interest in something, and the, the natives assured him that it would be found in great quantities in Appalachia. Bro, they um, lied to him to get him the fuck away from them. That is also fucking so, 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 they were like, yo, they tell him it's up north, up north. Yeah, 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 up there. All you can eat, all you can drink, all the gold you want. Women in abundance. Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> and lied. as a result of this, um, Narvaez uh, led the group north um, um, into the interior of Florida uh, to find this like country that was described to them. Oh, my God. This um, is amazing. So... Uh, during this, uh, and he Cabeza found de- Ocala. <laughs> <laughs> so during this, during this time, uh, Narvaez <laughs> wants to split the expedition, which uh, Cabeza de Vaca is very opposed to. Um, in this, he would lead 300 men and 42 horses overland to Appalachia, while the remaining crew, including women, would sail ahead to find a suitable harbor and wait for their return. Um, Cabeza de Vaca, he was against this. Um, because he felt that dividing their forces would put both groups in danger without any certainty that they would find each other again. Because um, remember, they're they're in like uncharted territory, right? Um, and he advised everyone uh, to remain with the ships um, until they could find a suitable harbor um, to serve as their base camp. Um, Narvaez um, ignored this advice and suggested that if uh, I'm not Cabeza- going to listen to him. <laughs> if, if, if Cabeza de Vaca was afraid, he should stay with the ships. If you're um, afraid, go to church, dog. Yeah. Uh, uh, Cabeza de Vaca, he rejected this. Save your, um, fe- your fear for the Holy Spirit. Be- because he was being called a coward, um, and he participated in the Overland March. He would later write of this, I preferred risking my life um, at, uh, to placing my honor in jeopardy. I'd rather die than be a bitch, dog. <laughs> uh the men would march. Toxic um, masculinity is is apparent even in the 1500s. It's Jesus the worst God. on the sea, they, too. You know, they would they would march um, overland into Florida um, in early uh, uh, May of 1528, 
Um, they march north for 15 days without seeing any um, natives or any native settlements. Same, um, same. As they were attempting to cross a, uh, a... I haven't seen a single native since I moved here. <laughs> After uh, they were attempting to cross a swift-flowing river, um, which uh, historians believe was the... Uh, uh, with Lacucci uh, yeah, River? with Lacucci. Uh, Hell yeah. Um, they were they were confronted by 200 Native Americans. Um, this encounter quickly turned into a fight, um, but they were able to drive off the Native Americans. Um, nearby, they f- uh, they found a village um, where they stayed for several days, and they would help themselves to the uh, the stored uh, amounts of maize that the Native Americans had um, sort of like put in storage. That is called felony breaking and entering and grand theft. What the um, fuck is they just helped themselves to stored maize? Bro, I mean, like it's the 1500s, dog. You committed a crime, bro. You stole from the people. What the fuck nah, is wrong dude, that's, they just that's just themselves. how it works, all right? Like, God, even Wikipedia um, is just, like, fucking making this shit sound real good. Like, good lord. Um, Cabeza de Vaca would, or Vaca, would uh, plead with uh, Narvaez um, to send a scouting expedition downriver in hopes of finding a bay where the ships, uh, where their ships might be waiting for them. Uh, Narvaez relented and ordered uh, Cabeza de Vaca um, to lead a, a, a reconnaissance expedition. You need to after do a- reconnaissance. <laughs> after, after, two a- after two attempts to find their way through the swamps and heavy forests, um, they, they were not able to find a suitable harbor. Oh, you um, don't say. If you're at the Withlacoochee River, you're in, like, mid-Florida, like, in the middle of the penis. Like, there is um, no bay there. You need to be on the coast nar- for a bay. Narvaez is still under the hopes that they can find like riches in the region they're in, um, and he um, he also presses them to use uh, captive Native Americans as guides. Um, so seven weeks after leaving their ships, uh, they come upon uh, the largest village they had found, um, and and this village consists of about forty houses. Um, their guides assure them that this was an Apalachee settlement. Um, so Narvaez orders um, Cabeza de Vaca. Uh, to lead about 50 soldiers to seize the village. Um, during this, there's no resistance, um, and Carbe- uh, Cabeza de Vaca uh, found only women and children um, who he rounded up to serve as hostages. As thorough, uh, when they go through the village and they do a thorough search of it, um, they only find food um, and none of the golden gems that they had hoped for. Told you. <laughs> Told you you ain't gonna find shit here in Florida. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but after that, the Apalachee tell them that there is a nearby village known as um, Alte, uh, about five or nine days away, that was rich in what they were looking for. Dog, these people are the best fucking trolls ever. I love this. No, 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 but if you go five more days north, it is there, bro. Don't keep fucking with me. It is like five days north of here. Just walk. You'll you, Look, you can't miss it. Just past I-75, exit 390, right on the right side. You can't miss it. Just not here. The ancient here, go. <laughs> um, so they they move forward inland into Florida, um, moving through swamps. Um, and meanwhile, they're they're harassed by different Native American tribes as they move through. Um, during this time, you know, obviously, um, a, a, a small number of the Spanish are killed and more wounded. Um, when they arrive in Ate, um, they found that the inhabitants had um, destroyed their village, uh, burning it down, and had left the area in sort of like a scorched earth tactic uh, to prevent the Spanish from getting anything. Um, but they find that the fields of the village, though, had not been harvested, so they were able to scavenge food from it. 
Um, so after several months of sort of wandering around, um, sort of like a, an area of Florida, which in modern day times you don't want to be anywhere near, which is like, <laughs> which is like that, that, that like bottom of the armpit of Florida, like anywhere north of Tampa and anywhere south of Tampa, you don't want to be anywhere near. This is like they're they're in the north Damn of bro. Tampa area. They Damn were, bro. Um, there were like, uh, like for instance, people probably heard of Rosewood, like that area. Hi, like, like as somebody uh, who's literally fifteen minutes from Rosewood. <laughs> um, so after several months of fighting, so much of the, the, the worst natives, racist shit has happened in Florida. Yeah, so bad. Uh, so after several months of sort of fighting, I thought the Rosewood natives, was like in the middle of Kentucky. Like growing up, like I, I had no fucking idea. I didn't, know, I didn't know it was in Florida. I So I saw the movie about Rosewood. So did I, and right? I still didn't and know it was in Florida. So I had no idea it was this close to... I just knew that it was in Florida, and I was working with this guy one time, and it, it bears absolutely no meaning or, or, or significance to the story, but it was like this big black dude named Jermaine. And he was like, boy, you're like 10 minutes from Rosewood. And I was like, what? Dog, we drove out there. Like, do you drive right by it? And I was like, you wow. shit me. This is it? And he's like, yep. All right, yeah. let's go back to town. I'm like, good lord, bro! It's like right here. You, you, and, and the thing is, like, you would bl- at this point if you drive by, if you blink, you miss it because most yeah, of the buildings are gone. And yeah, what's it's, left is it's, dilapidated walls and shit. But it's like, yep, this is it because there's still a sign. This is Rosewood High. It's like, the, oh, shit. The, the only reason we know about it is because like the people who lived in the nearby white community, like a reporter who wasn't even reporting on the story, was through in the 80s, and he mentioned he was a reporter when the locals were just like, it's like you better not be asking about that. What what happened here back in whatever? Oh my! God. And, and then because he heard that, he was just like, oh, he's like, wait, 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 really? No, 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 I'm not talking about that. But just so we're on the same page, what <laughs> event am I not talking about? <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, I'm I'm very interested in that. As he like takes out his pad of paper and a pen, and I like, keep um, talking, keep talking, um, scribbling notes, so, keep talking. So after several months of them wandering around uh, Florida, um, they decide that they're that they want to like make for um, Spanish inhabited Mexico. Um, primarily uh, to reach the uh, uh, the Panaco uh, River, um, which is sort of like a, a river that, that's sort of like in the middle of northern Mexico, like, like sort of that area that's north of like the Yucatan Peninsula in Mexico. Mm-hmm. It, it's sort of like in the middle of that. Okay. Um, so they slaughter. Uh, well, like they're they're reduced to slaughtering and eating their remaining horses. Um, they gather the stirrups, spurs, and horseshoes and other metal items with them. Um, and they, they sort of like use these items and other things um, to fashion uh, bellows from deer hide um, in, in order to make uh, a fire hot enough to uh, forge tools and nails. Um, they use these uh, to make five primitive boats in the hopes of reaching Mexico. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Whoa. <laughs> They're in Florida. Yeah. The only way to get to Mexico from Florida, if you if you want to use a boat, is correct me if I'm wrong. The Gulf of Mexico. Yes, they're they're going to fashion these boats and cross the Gulf of Mexico. What? What happened to the fucking boats that they had in Tampa? What? Well, they they left them behind because they went on land, and then they were hoping that like the boats would find a harbor, because they told the boats like, yeah, go find like a, a harbor, or a bay, and we'll meet you there. But but. It, What's the problem it, with going back to Tampa, seeing there's no boats there? Say, all right, and then you just follow the coast until well, you find the boats instead of trying to cross the Gulf of fucking Mexico in a goddamn canoe. What, like, what? I think that's the problem is that they assume that, like, there would be other bays, but, like, Tampa Bay is pretty much the best bay until you get to, like, New, uh, like the New Orleans area. 
Until you get to Cedar Key, I would say. Or well, Panama well, City. Yeah, uh, Panama City, yeah. But but just sort of like, like without any sort of like man-made sort of alterations to the environment. Okay. Um, so they make these five boats... Um, and the boats launch on September 22nd, 1528, carrying 242 of the survivors. Um, Cabeza de Vaca, um, or, uh, uh, he commands one of the vessels, um, and on his vessel are about 50 men. Um, so they're running oil on food and water, and they follow the coast westward. Um, but when they reach the mouth of the Mississippi River, um, the powerful currents of the Mississippi River sweep them out into the Gulf of Mexico, where they are uh, where they are eventually separated by a hurricane. Um, of those, uh, most of the uh, the survivors are killed, including uh, Narvaez. <laughs> oh, shit. In, okay. In November of 1528, uh, two of the crafts with about uh, 40 survivors, including uh, Cabeza de Vaca. Um, they wreck uh, near Galveston Island, Texas. Oh, Jesus um, Christ, they made it to Texas? So each of those has about 40 survivors each. Um, so of them, um, only um, of those 80, only 15 would live past the winter. Um, they they referred to the island that they landed and uh, they landed on as Mojado, uh, which in Spanish means ill fate um, <laughs> or, or the island of doom. This is what they um, called it? Yeah, and they try to repair their rafts um, using what remained of their their clothes, um, and also um, uh, to to plug like the holes in the rafts. Um, but their uh, but the rafts are eventually washed away by a large wave. So they're 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 stranded in Texas. <laughs> yeah, but they're um, Spanish, so they're fine. So as as the survivors begin to die off, um, they are eventually found and enslaved for about four years by different um, Native American nomadic tribes um, in the area of the Gulf Coast. Um, wait, wait. The, they were enslaved? Yeah, that these Native American tribes essentially, like, pull up, and then they take them all prisoner and, like, force them to, like, work for them. And you said, like, Indian nomadic tribes. So, like, Tuscan Raiders kind of just rolled up or, like, yours now? <laughs> yeah, yeah, kind essentially, of. Yeah, essentially, not not to otherize them, but but just, like... Uh, nomadic, like these nomadic tribes, just sort of like roll up, and they're like, "Well, look what we have here, boys." <laughs> <laughs> just, just couple the, of just, couple of hidalgos. Just, <laughs> just, just, just doing the bird man like hand thing. Yeah, like, just, 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 yeah, exactly. Just uh, <laughs> rolling a ball of dough between their hands like Birdman. <clears throat> um, uh, Cabeza de Vaca notes that he was enslaved by the Hans people and the Capoques. Uh, um, and these tribes will later be called the uh, the Karankawa and the uh, Um So of them, um, only four men managed to escape. I don't know if you um, said that right, but it sounded right. You know. Um, so <laughs> of like the, the right of these like of these survivors that managed to escape were Cabaza uh, de Vaca, um, Andres uh, Durantes uh, de Saranza, um, Alonso de Castillo. Uh, Maldonado, um, and, a, and a, a Moorish African slave of theirs named, uh, uh, of Durantes, named um, Estevan uh, Vanico. Um, I only take take umbrage with Castillo. Other than that, um, great. <laughs> um, so, 
this group would uh, would travel uh, walking uh, generally west through what is now uh, Texas, um, as well as the northeastern Mexican states of um, Tamaulipas, uh, Nuevo León, um, and uh, Coahuila, um, and they uh, and also possibly portions of New Mexico and Arizona. They walked all that. Um, so they would travel on foot through uh, through the then colonized Dude, humans, territories. Humans of, be walking, you know. Bro, that's uh, like some Oregon Trail shit. Um, they would, even though the areas that they would walk through were claimed by Spain um, and were technically colonized, they never encountered any other Europeans. Um, he would continue through um, Coya uh, Huila um, and Nueva uh, Vizcaya, uh, which is the present day states of Chihuahua and, and Durango, um, and then down the Gulf of uh, California coast. To what is now uh, Sinaloa, Mexico, over about eight years. Oh, here we go. This is where the cartel takes takes hold. There it is. Um, getting to Sinaloa, the vast cocaine was everywhere. I have an idea. Documentary voice Ryan needs to be like the rest of the episode. I think. Um, documentary throughout, voice. throughout these eight years, him and the other men would adapt to the indigenous peoples that they stayed with. Um, and they would des- describe these people as the roots people, the fish and blackberry people, or the fig people, depending on what the main food they ate was. This is this is Jeremy Fig. This is Tanya Fish and her sister Jennifer Blackberry. <laughs> um, so uh, during this time, um, he would report that uh, he developed sympathies for the indigenous people. Um, so as he's sort of like living among these indigenous people, he begins to see them as like people, which is like a thing, because during this time um, and eventually sort of in um, uh, New Spain, which would be like uh, Mexico, as we know it today, um, they begin like what's called the Casas system, right, where they sort of make like sort of like combinations of different breedings and, and just sort of try to describe um, uh, people in what's often referred to as scientific racism. Um, just, just sort of being like, well, you know, if a person from Spain mates with like a native uh, a person, they are like this, and these are like the racial characteristics of this type of person. Or like, if a slave, um, like a, like an African slave, if if they have offspring with an indigenous person, this is like the offspring, and this is what their like like qualities are. White people drive like this. Yeah, black people drive like this. Burp, burp, yeah, burp. But, but as a government policy, <laughs> and it, and it looks like a lottery board. <laughs> um, so during this time, uh, he would become um, a, a trader and a healer, um, and this would allow him to travel among the tribes. Um, he would also during this time attract a number of native followers who regarded him as a quote unquote child of the sun. Uh, which they believed uh, had endowed him with the power to both heal and destroy. He could definitely um, remember, destroy. Because <laughs> he is a he is a white um, he is a white European, so he's like an oddity to them. Mm-hmm. Um, so his group, uh, after they they sort of move about, um, he would uh, uh, Cabeza de Vaca would uh, grow healthier over time, um, and he also decided that he would make his way um, uh, to Panuka. Um, uh, while supporting himself through trading in order to make himself back to sort of like proper Spanish territory. Mm-hmm. Um, and so um, many natives would accompany him on uh, and his um, fellow travelers on their journey. 
um, across what was the uh, southwest and also northern Mexico. Um, so after reaching New Spain, uh, where he encounters uh, Spaniards in what is uh, the modern-day city of uh, Culiacan, um, he, um, he eventually goes to Mexico City. Um, from there, he sails back to Europe in 1537. Um, many Wait, so research- how, long, how long was he doing this? When did this expedition take off? So they get there in 1537. Um, in 1526, he's commissioned, and about 1528 is when they reach um, when, when they reach Florida. So, all right. So let's say 1528, and then when when does he take off back? 15. So that's like that's like nine years after he reaches Florida. So he walked basically for nine years. Was a slave, became a trader. Yeah, that's what. Wow. Okay. Right. Um, after returning, he would um, he would write down his. Um, like sort of like the chronicles of his travels. Um, and these were collected and published in Spain in 1542. Um, they were known as the relation of Alvar Nunez Cabeza de Vaca. Um, he is also considered to be the first European, um, his book is considered to be the first European book devoted completely to North America. Interesting. Um, he describes many of the, uh, sort of like the, the lives of the native American tribes he encountered. Um, and he also showed respect and compassion for the natives' people, um, which, um, with the, the level of like detail he gave to his record of their lives, distinguishes him from many others during this period. So he was actually humane, saying, like, hey, yeah. this is pretty cool, instead of just being like, yo, they got money, <laughs> we fucked him up. Because <laughs> like, a lot of the things we know about like the people of Mexico, like the native people, um, a, a lot of the stuff, like the books... Like we we sort of had to go back and like translate those because the the conquistadors and like the Inquisition or whatever just like killed a lot of the people that could like tell them what was up. Mm-hmm. Um. So he reported on a lot of the customs and ways of life of these people that lived in Florida. Um. And he was also aware that he was like one of the first Europeans to ever encounter these people. Um. He spent eight years among uh, a number of people, including the the Copaque. The Han, the Avavare, and the Arbadada, uh, the Arbadal. Um, he he describes also the culture of the Mojado people, uh, the Kopoke, um, and the Han um, tribes, um, such as also their treatment of offspring, their wedding rites, and their main sources of food. Okay. Um, and um, also too, um, he, this is also after the fact that he was like served as a slave among these native peoples. That he was still like humane and positive. Yeah. Things. Okay. Um, and he also gave a rare insight um, into like 16th century American um, native life um, at the border of uh, present day Mexico and Texas. Um, and uh, for a lot of these people as well, um, Cabeza de Vaca and, and Hernando de Soto were the only people to ever write about their existence. Um, so at, after these people are encountered by the Spanish, uh, they mostly vanish um, due to diseases, as I mentioned, carried by the Spanish. Dog, that's wild that one of these assholes could walk off a fucking boat and like cough in one of these natives' faces and then just wipe out a whole fucking goddamn. Thing. Yeah, it's it's like that's the hot ins- zone. That's insane to me. Like the like there there's a lot of thoughts about like because um, there's the book uh, 1491, um, which is about like sort of like. 
the pre-Columbian exchange, like what South America was possibly like before Columbus came, mm-hmm. and and just about how like that there was probably a lot more people living in like the Amazon and stuff like that, mm-hmm. but because of like the trade networks and stuff, that disease just spread like wildfire throughout South and Central America, and it just essentially caused like a post-apocalyptic society. Um, but the same is true for like North America that there were like bigger societies. Um, but like disease just sort of like decimated a lot of them. So a lot of what Europeans found, like when they see like these disparate tribes, what they're seeing is not exactly like what had been there for hundreds of years, but sort of the survivors of like the pandemics that broke out and the epidemics that broke out from the Europeans making contact with them. More like the plandemics that happened. <laughs> I mean, it was kind of pandemics because they definitely had a plan to we'll go, go you know, and our greatest weapon here is is the sneezing man <laughs> we're gonna keep him below um, decks and have him come out first he's in the vanguard bro right this second i would be front lined like ryan get up there and start coughing on all of them all right you. you just killed a hundred like thousand the, uh, people you're I'm, like the I'm, immortals in 300. You're like the elite. The elite I'm, I'm breaking so many like <laughs> rules of engagement just by biological warfare. Send in the allergy, boys. He can't be accused of... <laughs> Your Honor, he can't be accused of biological warfare. He's sneezing. <laughs> uh, uh, one of uh, Cabeza de Vaca's uh, greatest accomplishments he considered during his journey was that everywhere he went, he brought peace to the area. Because as his group, which included him and a um, and an African gentleman, the the four of them, which three of them are white, one is black, every time they travel through an area um, and they pass by these tribes, uh, tribes who are at war with each other would stop immediately um, and make peace with each other because they've encountered this like new people they've never encountered before, and they would become friendly in order to like exchange gifts um, with uh, Cabeza's people. Um, and, and just sort of like find out what was going on. I just want to point out that he just clarified it. It is gifts, not gifs. He said it. You heard it here. That is the official stance of the Trilateral Troika. It is gifts. Um, uh, Cabeza would note in his own personal account um, that he, that they quote unquote uh, we left the whole country in peace. That seems odd. Um, and and afterwards he would consider this to be part of his purpose in America writing that he believed that, quote-unquote, God was guiding us to where we could serve him. That also seems odd. <laughs> well, well, it's kind of like that thing where, like, imagine if aliens invaded. Okay. Like, like do, you think if, do you think if, like, aliens landed, like, tomorrow, like, do you think, like, the war in Ukraine would still be going on? That's a good point. Like, it's, it's just sort of that idea, which is you have to consider, like... Honestly, probably... We, I think Vladdy. Probably, I think yeah, Vladdy would probably, probably still keep. Yeah, going. Pro- probably. I, but I, I respect think, the I think, spirit of your argument. But but just that idea, and it, it's sort of just like that Watchman argument, which again didn't pan out for Ozymandias in the end. That that his way to like forestall like a nuclear war was to have like aliens invade, and and this is essentially what happened: is that this alien, these alien people, like came, and everybody just like, well, what the fuck is that? And it's like, well, we we should we should like pay attention to this. Let's let's just stop what we're doing. Yeah, but that was back in the day when there was like six hundred people in the known world. You know what I'm saying? This is so, um, this is six hundred and four. <laughs> we have to stop. <laughs> it's much easier for them to be like, yo, like let's let's hang on for a second, and see what these people have to say. Um, uh, Cabeza de Vaca considered his uh, greatest challenge um, as an ambassador 
was when he attempted to bring uh, peace between the Spanish and the native peoples. Just as an aside, too, I can imagine that if, if, if aliens landed tomorrow, right, I can guarantee you there would be a non-zero amount of people that would look out their windows, see the flying saucers, and would be like, oh, fucking, really? Today. Today. This had to be like, are you fucking kidding? And they're going to be annoyed with it. As opposed to be like in Come fucking on, wonder. Yeah. I feel like Richard Hoagland would like just be like a hero at that point, right? Like they were the Sidonians. <laughs> <laughs> um, for when uh, when Cabeza de Vaca uh, approached, I really Arius did work at NASA. <laughs> well, while he approached like Spanish settlements, um, he and his companions uh, were were uh, grieved by what they saw. Because a lot of the uh, native villages uh, were destroyed and the, the people who lived there were enslaved by the Spanish and they could see um, sort of like the remnants of that. Who right. um, wrote this and that the It sounds like they're and, writing it. Well, well Cabeza de Vaca, because remember, like, he's coming from, like, native areas into the Spanish areas. Okay. So he's just noting that, like, when he's coming into this, he's seeing, like, like personally seeing the devastation the Spanish are bringing from... Like, sort of like the native side of things. Uh, okay, I got you. Um, and he noted as well that the fertile land um, of the natives lay uncultivated, and that many of the natives were starving and hiding in the forest for fear that the Spanish would come and enslave them. Um, uh, Cabeza de Vaca would encounter uh, Diego de Alcaraz, who was the commander of a slaving expedition of about 20 horsemen, um, and attempted to negotiate a peace between him and the natives. Um, but soon after he departed, um, Alcaraz uh, went back on his word and would uh, plunder um, the the entourage of natives that um, Cabeza de Vaca had that were following him that he had sent back to their homes. What a piece of shit! Um, so he had like an entourage, and then uh, after he said like, "Well, I'm I'm where I need to go. Like you guys go back to your families and stuff." Um, Alcaraz saw that as like good pickings and like. Decided to attack and enslave them. Ah. Piece of shit. Um, uh, de Vaca, um, uh, or uh, Diaz, um, uh, ordered uh, Cabeza de Vaca to bring the natives back to the forest so that they would resume uh, cultivating the land. Um, but uh, Cabeza de Vaca and Diaz um, invited the natives to convert to Christianity, and the natives did so willingly. Um, he instructed them to build a large wooden cross in each village so that Spanish soldiers would pass through the village and not attack it. Um, soon afterwards, um, Alcaraz's expedition returned explained to Diaz that they were amazed to find that um, on their return journey that not only was the land repopulated, but the natives coming to greet them with crosses in hand and also gave them provisions. I like how our man Forehead's like, oh no, we converted them to Christianity. They totally did, like, totally willingly. Not that they were terrified they were going to be slaughtered if they didn't, but... Yeah, no, they absolutely were willing to do it, and they were enthused. Um, and, and All we had to do was say, do you have a moment to talk about our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ? <laughs> By the way, we, um, we brought some provisions. Uh, yes, we um, can but, sit down. Um, but, uh, Actually, Alcaraz, people were like, do you have a moment to talk about the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ? Jesus, Jesus Christ. Jesus, Jesus Christos. Jesus Marimba. Alcaraz... Algaraz was then ordered not to harm the natives. Um, Cavez Vaca wrote um, in his uh, narrative to Charles V to, quote-unquote, transmit what I saw and heard 
In the nine years, I wandered lost and miserable over many remote lands. He wanted to uh, tell him, quote-unquote, not merely a report of physicians and distances, flora and fauna, but of the customs of the numerous indigenous peoples I talked with and dwelt among, as well as any other matters I could hear or uh, hear of or observe. Um, he did his best to present facts um, as a full account of what he observed during his travels. Um, his book, The, the, the Relation, um, is the only account of many of these indigenous peoples whom he encountered, as I mentioned previously. Right, like there's um, the, nobody else writ, wrote anything down about them because no one else really experienced them, right? And, and also didn't care because they're just like, yeah, these people are savages. We're just going to take everything we can from them and just like kill the ones we can't slay. You guys got gold? You guys got gold? Because if you got gold, <laughs> then you can lead us to it. You can stay alive that much longer. <laughs> um, replace replace gold with oil, and it's like, hi, welcome to the 20th century. Real quick, though. Um, are you are you talking the, about Operation Iraqi Liberation? I have no idea what you mean. Um, so, did these indigenous peoples oh, not have their own written history, or was everything just passed down orally? They, it was all orally. They didn't. Okay. Um, they, they didn't have written languages, as far as we know. Okay. Um, and um, a lot of his accounts are also validated by later uh, later reports of the archaeological record. Um, as well as the oral traditions of other tribes that survived. Um, it also served as a petition to the King of Spain to both establish a permanent Christian mission um, in the New World and also eventually establish um, native tribes as a nation under the governance of Spain. Um, it, uh, Cabeza uh, wrote to the King of Spain, May God in his infinite mercy grant that in the days of your majesty and under your power and sway, these people become willingly and sincerely subjects of the true Lord who created and redeemed them. We believe they will be and that your majesty is destined to bring it about as it will not be at all difficult. Huh. Um, he would continue to be a strong advocate for the rights of Native Americans uh, throughout his lifetime. In 1540, he was appointed um, Adelantano uh, of the uh, Rio de la Plata, um, colony in um, South America, which was a colony that was comprised of what is now Argentina, uh, Paraguay, and Uruguay. Um, uh, Cabeza de Vaca uh, was assigned to find a, a usable route from this colony to the colony of Peru, um, which was on the other side of the Andes Mountains on the Pacific Coast. Um, I'm really waiting for you to shoot a drop on this guy because he seems like a pretty decent dude. I mean, aside from the fact that he's like a conquistador, kind of, sort of, but like, otherwise, um, he doesn't seem like a bad guy. Um, he would disembark at Santa Carina um, Island in modern Brazil um, with an indigenous force plus uh, 250 musketeers and 26 horses. Um, he would follow native trails um, discovered by Alexio Garcia um, previously. Um, into the uh, Spanish uh, capital of uh, Asuncion, uh, far inland in the great Paraguay River. Um, he thought that um, he was one of the first Europeans as well to see um, Iguansu uh, Falls, which is one of like the like the major falls in the area. Right. Okay. Um, in, in March of 1542, he met with uh, Domingo Martinez uh, de Arala um, and relieved him of his position as governor. Um, the government of Asuncion uh, pledged loyalty to Cabeza de, uh, de Vaca and Arala was assigned to explore a possible route to Peru. 
Uh, wait, a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a This guy just met with this guy and was like, nah, you're not the governor anymore. Get the fuck out of here. Well, well, the, it's essentially like the king's like, yeah, you're going to tag out with him, and then he's going to go on it. Okay, so this was like sanctioned, authorized. Yeah. Okay, this wasn't, okay. I thought my man was just walking in like, hey, listen, take a fucking hike, bro. Get the fuck out of here. I got this now. Um, so once uh, Arola returned and reported, um, uh, Cabeza um, Tavaca um, uh, planned his own expedition. Um, he hoped to reach uh, Los Reyes, um, which was the, the base that Arola had set up, and push forward into the jungle in search of a route um, to the gold and silver mines of Peru. Um, this expedition did not go well, um, and Cabasa de Vaca returned to Asuncion. What was wrong with it? Did they just, like, not able to get there? Well, it, yeah, it was just, like, they, they, they hit the Amazon, and they're just like, yeah, we can't, we can't get through this. It um, is but, too tough. Uh, turn around and go back. Uh, but during this time, uh, Arala had started up resistance to uh, Cabeza de Vaca's rule um, and, and capitalized on many of his, like, political enemies. Here we go. And um, one of the reasons this is uh, considered to have worked is because uh, Cabeza de Vaca had uh, what was considered unusual sympathies towards the Native Americans um, for this time. Mm-hmm. Um, and the elites of what is today modern Argentina, known as the Encomenderos, uh, uh, um, uh, um, they generally did not agree with this position. Um, and they wanted to use the natives as sort of labor. Um, because he lost the support of the elites. Man, these guys. Uh, what a bunch of shitheads. Bunch of pieces of shit, dude. Um, and, uh, and, and Buenos Aires at this time was failing as a settlement, um, not being able to attract enough residents. Um, uh, Martinez uh, de Aroa uh, arrested Cabeza de Vaca in uh, 1544 uh, for his poor administration of the colony. Um, he would be returned to Spain in 1545 for trial. Um, although he would eventually be exonerated, uh, Cabeza de Vaca would never return to South America. Um, he wrote an extensive report on the Rio de la Plata colony, um, which is in modern-day uh, Argentina, strongly criticizing the conduct of his rival, uh, Martinez uh, de Arala. Uh, the report was bound with his le- uh, earlier uh, Le uh, La... Relacion, um, and published under the title uh, Commentarios, uh, or Commentary in English. Um, he would die on Hieras uh, de la Frontera, or uh, Valladolid, um, on an uncertain date um, uh, in around the time of uh, May 19th, 1559. Hmm. So, he, lived, he died in 1959. There- <laughs> Damn, he saw so much. So, there's no other shoe to drop? Nope. He just lived out the rest of his days in Spain and then eventually just died. This dude is pretty cool. Yeah, he's one of those dudes where he starts out and you're like, well, where, where is this going? He's yeah. like, he seems like a, he seems like some of the other guys that we know, like Cortez and stuff. Right. And, but, but he eventually, like, sort of redeems himself because he lives among them and he's like, well, you know. Like the, these are people just like us, and like this is what their cultures are. And also, as Did Steve would say, is- he no cap wrote books <laughs> <laughs> that, or at least notes that like were fair to these people instead of just being like, "Hey, look, it's a bunch of fucking stupid natives. We could just take them. They don't, they don't, they don't write. They don't read. They don't do stuff like that. Come on, we can just enslave them." Like he wasn't like that, which is cool. Even though you're still like 
you're still a conquistador. You know what I'm saying? Like, you're still, you know, colonizing places. Yeah. But to be, if you're going to be a colonizer, you know, looking back through, you know, the, the time period, he really was probably, like, one of the best people that you could have run into if you were an indigenous person. Yeah, pretty much. Did he damage the areas at all? Like, well, I guess bringing disease with him. Right? Yeah, I, I heard he used to cough in everyone's face. Like, once. <laughs> yeah. he would he would cough in everybody's mouth as yeah. a hello. Tell them to hold um, their mouth well, open. I'm going to cough. Well, well, other than the early periods where they're like fighting with the natives, I, I don't think they did much because they're just sort of like walking around and trying to like find their way. And then when it's just him and like three other guys, it's this like there's is not- a typical Castilian greeting. <laughs> <laughs> but there's there's not oh, much he could terrible. do other than like cough on people and like you know like sneeze in his hand and then not like wipe it off or whatever. Right. Oh god. Oh fuck. What is he from Philly? Jesus <laughs> Christ. <laughs> what? I don't know. I just picked the city of people that I think are gross. Philadelphia. <laughs> yeah. Filth. Filth. Philadelphia. <laughs> well, on that note, on that that's note. the story is. Cabeza de Vaca. I love it. I'm going to get some vodka tomorrow. I'm going to get a big old hamburger. <laughs> get a handle of vodka. I'm going to get some big old handle of vodka and some vodka. Just just, just go to the ABC Liquor and demand the, the most Spanish vodka they have. Tito's, Tito's homemade vodka. <laughs> it's on guess, every, yeah. every goddamn influencer's like, video. We have got Tito's homemade fucking shit vodka. <laughs> it has a nice label, Steve, and that makes a difference. It's homemade. It like a- <laughs> <laughs> it's real wine. Uh, Alright. I'm going to go overdose on Zyrtec. Nice. <laughs> Time to roll on. Never. Again. Later. 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 Later.